Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to this time of our service where we open your word, Lord, we acknowledge today it is your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today and that we would hear your voice. Lord, teach us how to live in obedience to your word. Guide us and direct us. Lord, help us to, to think about this next year and set our priorities, our number one priority being our devotion to Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, Father, direct us today and let us hear your voice. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. We'll be focusing in on verses 1 through 14 this morning. Exodus 12. This time of year, being the new year, it is that time of of reflection and commitment, right? A time of reflection and commitment, a time to reflect upon the year past. And as we think about the past year, we we think about uh, certain successes that we've had. What have we done right? What have we done that's been worked out well for us? Uh, And it's also a time to look back and see our failures. Where did we we slip? Where did we, we mess up? And it's a time of commitment, a time to to think about those successes and failures and and make new commitments for the year to come. And so this is a a good and perfect time to do just that very thing. And, And so as we think about those commitments, making commitments, new commitments and renewed commitments for the next year, we need to think about our priorities. Where do our priorities lie? What are our number one priorities as we go into the new year? Our priorities will define our commitments. And so we need to make sure we set the right priorities. And as we think about the new year, as we think about making these New Year's resolutions, and I'm sure you've probably already made some, but let's reconsider this morning and make new ones or maybe even adjust the ones that we have made But our number one priority as we make New Year's resolutions should be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our relationship to Him. And so today, as you make your New Year's resolutions, make sure to prioritize Christ. Prioritize Christ. You know, this is what God had in mind when He established the the Passover celebration in Exodus chapter 12. Now, if you remember, if you were here back in December when we observed the Lord's Supper together, we came to this text, and we spent some time in this text in Exodus chapter 12. But it was at that time that I began to to get a conviction here. It began to, to kind of resonate in me that the whole reason for the Exodus, or excuse me, for the Passover celebration, the Lord commanded them to do it at the beginning of the year as a memorial feast. It was a time for them to reflect upon their past and set priorities, set commitments for the future. So as I thought about that and I thought about the Lord's Supper being our Passover celebration, I felt it was good and right for us to take a look at this text again and to observe the Lord's Supper together at the beginning of the year 
as we make these, set our priorities, as we make these resolutions to make Christ priority number one in the year to come. So if you found your place there in Exodus chapter 12, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Exodus 12, we'll be reading 1 through 14. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to <clears throat> what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh with uh, they shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Amen. May the Lord have blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we consider this text here in Exodus, it is a, the, the Passover feast was, was intended by God to be a memorial to remind the people of Israel of the Lord's salvation. Uh, you remember the whole story of the Exodus. God had the people of Israel there in Egypt. They were slaves to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And God brought Moses, his mediator, to the Israelites to free them, to take them out of bondage, free them from bondage of slavery, and take them to the promised land. And as we talked about back in December, God had brought many judgments upon the people of Egypt because they had disobeyed the word of the Lord. The Lord said, let my people go so that they may serve me. But Pharaoh and the Egyptians refused. 
And so they disobeyed the word of the Lord, and therefore the Lord sent judgment upon the people of Egypt. And this is the tenth and final judgment that the Lord sends upon the people of Egypt when he sends his death angel throughout the land of Egypt to destroy all of the firstborn of the Egyptians. But the Israelites were there in Egypt as well. And, and they were not without sin themselves. When Moses first came to them and, and said that the, the Lord God was here to free them, to take them out of the land of bondage, they were all gung-ho and excited. Praise the Lord. Yes, let's go. But then when Moses went to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh turned around and made it harder on the, uh, on the Israelites, well, then what happened? Oh, what have you done to us now? Now we're in trouble. Oh, Pharaoh is being mean to us. Oh, how could you do that? God really doesn't have the power to free us. Here we are, and you just made matters worse. They lost faith in God. And so the Israelites were just as much, uh, sin, uh, just as much sinners as the Egyptians were. Uh, they were just uh, as much do judgment from God as the Egyptians were, but God provided them a way of escape, the Passover lamb. It was the lamb of Passover that God put judgment upon. It was the lamb who received death. He received the death that God was bringing upon the Egyptians. He received the death in the place of the Israelites. The Passover lamb took their place in the judgment. And because of the blood of the Lamb, God was able to pass over the Israelites when he brought judgment upon the land of Egypt. Well, for us as Christians, Christ is our Passover Lamb. The whole story of the Exodus is, is a type, it's a foreshadowing of God's salvation that would come in Jesus Christ. For we too were slaves well, we were slaves not to Pharaoh, but to sin and to death. And God sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to be a lamb of sacrifice for us. For he was without spot or blemish. There was no sin found in him. But he went to Calvary's cross willingly, and he shed his blood. He allowed his body to be broken for us to free us from sin and death. And so we celebrate not the Passover that the Israelites celebrated, but we celebrate the Lord's Supper because it was on that last Passover that Jesus shared with his disciples that he instituted the Lord's Supper. And Jesus told them, this will be a feast of remembrance for you. This is our memorial feast. And in the, the, in the Lord's Supper, we remember what Christ our Lord has done for us. And so it's right and good for us today to reflect upon the Lord's Supper and the salvation that the Lord has provided for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so today, as we, we think about the new year and kicking off the new year, and as we take the Lord's Supper together, I want us to consider three reasons why we should prioritize Christ in 2020. Three reasons we should prioritize Christ in 2020 as we, we think about the Lord's Supper, as we think about this next year and our commitments. And so, first of all, we prioritize Christ because of what Christ has done. 
We prioritize Christ because of what Christ has done. Now, for the Israelites here in the book of Exodus, God freed them. He saved them from bondage to Pharaoh. And just like God freed the, Egypt, or excuse me, freed the Israelites from bondage to the Egyptians, God has now freed us in Christ Jesus from bondage to sin. He has freed us from sin. A number one, we were slaves to sin, sold to sin. And God, through Christ Jesus, through his sacrifice, has freed us from sin. Now, how has he freed us from sin? Well, number one, he has freed us from the penalty of sin. Christ has freed us from the penalty of sin. We were under the penalty of sin. We deserve judgment because of our sin against God for our rebellion against Him. We were due the penalty of sin. Ephesians chapter 2. We were all children of wrath. We were all children of wrath like all of the rest of mankind. That is, in our natural state, in our natural condition, we were under the wrath of God because of our sin, our rebellion against Him. But Christ Jesus came and He died on Calvary's cross. He became our substitute, our Passover lamb, and He received upon Himself the judgment that you and I deserve, freeing us from the penalty of sin. Second, He also freed us from the power of sin. He freed us from the power of sin. We were under the power of sin. We were slaves to its power. And our natural flesh and our natural condition, we, we could only do what our hearts, our sinful flesh wanted us to do. We were under the power of sin. We couldn't help but to sin. But in Christ Jesus God has given us power over sin. We no longer have to live under the power of sin, but we are free to live for God. Third, he's freed us from the penalty of sin. He's freed us from the power of sin. And one day, one day he will free us from even the presence of sin. Oh man, I look forward to that day. Each and every one of us here, we know the struggle of this life. Oh, we try to do good, but this old flesh, sometimes it drags us down. And we find ourselves falling into sin over and over and over again. We slip and we fall. We get back up, we go. We slip, we fall. We have that struggle all throughout this life. Because we still have the presence of sin on us and all around us. But praise be to God, one day Christ will return and he will free us from the very presence of sin. Sin will be cast into hell with the devil and all of his angels and we will no longer feel the effects of sin upon the world. There will no longer be sin around us. We'll no longer have to see, be worried about people coming into the house of worship and, and with their guns and shooting people. We'll no longer have to be worried about that because sin will be cast into hell. We'll no longer be in the presence of sin. We'll no longer have to be worried about stumbling in our walk with Christ because we will be freed from the presence of sin in our own flesh. Praise be to God, one day he will free us from the presence of sin.
Christ has freed us from sin. He's also freed us to live. He's freed us to live, to truly live, to live to God, to live for his glory and for his name's sake. Oh, what it is to live for Christ. Romans chapter 6 tells us of this. It gives us kind of a picture of this. Romans 12, or excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of disobedience, or excuse me, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. That is obedience to God. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, that's all of us, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification, that is, to holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise be to God. Jesus has set us free to live for God as slaves to God. And slavery to God is, is no small thing. It is a wonderful thing. For Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sin's burden is heavy. And it weighs us down and it take, dra drags us to hell. But Jesus' burden is easy his yoke is easy his burden is light and when we're slaves to God we really truly see freedom to live as God has created us to live so make Christ your priority because of what he has done for you he has set you free to live for God second we prioritize Christ because of what Christ is doing because what Christ is doing. We don't see this in the Exodus text, of course, because this is something new. Uh, this is something that Christ did after the resurrection, that comes after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see what Christ is doing. Number one, he is dwelling in us. He is dwelling in us. He is living in you, dear Christian. He is indwelling you. He has come to take up house and residence in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He is indwelling you. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, if he is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dear Christian, Christ is indwelling you. He, is, he has come and he has moved in through the power of the resurrection. He is living in you and dwelling you. He is in your heart. He is indwelling you. But not only is he indwelling us, but Christ is also recreating us. He is recreating us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a reason that Christ is indwelling you, dear Christian. It is to recreate you, to change you, to make you into his own image and likeness. Think about it like this. When we first moved into our house here in Bastrop, we bought the house. It belonged to someone else, right? It belonged to another person. We bought it before we ever even moved in, really. But sure enough, after we moved in, we remodeled that thing, didn't we? We, we cleaned the floors really good, and we, we painted walls. We put out new floors in places. We, we put in new cabinetry. We, we did all of this work to make it our own. It was someone else's. Now it's ours. We moved in and we made it our own. It looks like us now. It has our taste in it. It has the things that we like in it. You know, that's what Christ does in you. He moved in and he's making you his own. He's remodeling you. He's painting the, he's painting the walls. He's changing out the floors. He's putting in new cabinets. He's doing all of these things to remake you into his own image and his own likeness. He is working in you, dear friend. And Scripture tells, tells us to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He is working in us. Therefore, we're to work with him, not against him. We're to work with him because of what he is doing in us even now, in this time and in this life. Oh, dear Christian, prioritize Christ because of what he's done for you and prioritize Christ because of what he is doing in you right now. Work with him, cooperate with him to make yourself a new creation in Christ, to change your life, to become more and more like Jesus day in and day out. Prioritize Christ for what he is doing in you. Third, prioritize Christ because of what Christ is going to do. Prioritize Christ because of what Christ is going to do. Now, in the Exodus, in the Passover feast, notice here in verse 11 what it says, In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. Now, uh, this was, of course, you know, you think about this. Why were they to, to eat it with their sandals on their feet and their staff in their hand? Why were they to eat it in this manner? They were to eat it in this manner because they were to be ready to go. 
This was God's deliverance. He was bringing them out of Egypt. And so they were to eat it in this manner because they were, uh, they were in faith saying, God is about to do this. He is going to take us out of here, and we are ready to go. Well, this is an illusion. This was, this was something that they had to continue to do. It wasn't just something that was prescribed for that first Passover. Every Passover meal from now on after that, the people had to eat it with their sandals on their feet and their staff in their hand, in their hand ready to go. Why? Because I li like I said before, the Passover meal was an illusion. It was a foreshadowing of the sure salvation that was to come. It's a salvation that even we wait for. And Christ tells us over and over in Scripture to be ready for that day when Christ shall return. Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. I love this in Acts chapter 1. As Jesus, he comes to his disciples and he gives them their, their instructions and then he takes them out to a, a hilltop and as he is there, he be, he, he's speaking to them, and as he's talking to them, he is taken up into the air, and he goes up into heaven, and the disciples are standing there looking. I'm, I mean, all of us would be, right? That's, that would be all of our face. What just happened? Wow, that's just awesome. And as they're standing there looking, there's these two other guys that come up to angels, and they say, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? Why are you still standing here? For Jesus, whom you see ascending, one day he's coming again. He's going to descend. Just as he went up, he will come down. He's coming again. And of course, the book of Revelation tells us over and over again that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And let me tell you, Jesus is coming in judgment. When he comes, he's coming in judgment. Make no mistake about it. When he first came, he came for the sake of salvation. But when he comes the second time, he is coming in judgment. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Jesus Christ is the one who will judge the living and the dead. Now who are the living and the dead? Number one, the, the dead. Let's start there. The dead are those who are without Christ. He's not just talking about, Paul's not talking about those who are dead in the grave. He's talking about those who are dead to God. They are without Christ, both the living and the dead who are without Christ. They will be resurrected and Jesus will come and he will judge them. Dear friend, if you're here today and you don't have Christ in your life, if you never trusted in Jesus Christ, the day is coming. The day is coming that you will stand before Christ and he will judge you for your rebellion, your persistent rebellion against him and his kingdom. And he will sentence you to eternity in hell. Eternity of punishment where the wrath of God will be poured out upon you for all of eternity. Oh, dear friend, if you have never trusted in Jesus, escape the coming judgment. 
He has provided that way of escape by coming and dying on the cross for you. If you will only trust in Him and give your life to Him, He will judge the dead, but He also judges the living. That, are, that is, those who are in Christ. Those who have trusted in Christ and given their lives over to Christ. He will judge them not to send them into to, to judge, uh, judgment, into punishment, but he will judge them according to what they have done in his name. He will judge you and I, dear friend, dear Christian, for what we have done with our life in him. And it's at that time that he will, he will hand out rewards for those who have, who have been faithful to, to use their lives for his kingdom and his glory. And there will be those who, who have many riches in heaven and those who will have very little. Scripture makes this clear. It doesn't tell us what those rewards will be. It kind of gives allusions to these different kinds of things. But it, we all that we know that there will be rewards given to those Christians according to what they have done in the name of Christ and the life he has given them here on earth. That's why Jesus tells, his, tells us, his disciples, this in Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, dear friend, we're to work in this life and use the life that God has given us in this life, in this world, for His kingdom and for His glory. And as we use this life for His kingdom and His glory, He says, I will reward you. I will give you treasures in heaven for what you do for my glory in this life. Jonathan Edwards was, uh, I mean, he was just king of the resolutions. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, over the course of his life, had, had written down 70 resolutions that he read once a week to make sure he was keeping course. Resolution number 22 reads as this, resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world. Let me read that again. Resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world, in the heaven to come, the life to come, as I possibly can, with all the power, might, vigor and behemoths, yea, violence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that, I can, that can be thought of. Jonathan Edwards got this, right? He got this. He understood this. He wanted to lay up for himself treasures in heaven, and he resolved day after day after day to do everything with this in his power everything in his power to lay up for himself as many treasures in heaven as he possibly could. How about you? What are you living for? What are you living for? Are your resolutions so small that they only include things about weight loss and health 
and wealth in this life? Or are you making resolutions that will store up for yourself mountains of treasures and glory? What are your resolutions aiming toward? Oh yes, health and and exercise are good things to focus on because they keep us going and they keep us strong so that we can glorify God as long as we can in this life. But what greater still is that we resolve to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven by living for Christ and living to glorify His, His kingdom in the life we do have. Oh, dear friend, as you make New Year's resolutions, prioritize Christ because of what He has done for you, what He is doing in you, and because of what He is going to do when he returns and he establishes the new heavens and the new earth he establishes his kingdom here on this earth resolve to lay up for yourself as many treasures as possible in 2020 dear friends now is the time to prioritize Christ now is the time to prioritize Christ some of you today you need to prioritize Christ by giving your life to him There are certainly some here today who've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Today is the day. Turn away from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Him. Commit to live for Him in 2020. There's nothing to do but to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus, and He will save you. For others... Those who have trusted in Christ, you've given your life to Him. Today you need to prioritize Christ by taking time, just even now in in our time of, of invitation that's about to come. You need to take time to reflect upon this past year. Think about the time that you have spent this past year. Think about your successes, what you have done for the glory of God's kingdom. And think about your failures. Reflect upon those failures. Today, you need to repent of sin that you have allowed to creep into your life. You need to, some of you, you need to, you need to repent of, of sins of commission. Bad habits, sinful habits that you have allowed to creep into your life over the course of this past year, and you've allowed it to reside in your life. You need to repent of those actions, those sinful acts, and you need to turn away from those make that commitment to get those habits out of your life this year for others there's the sin of omission there's things that you have neglected this past year maybe you haven't been into the in the word as you've needed to be in the word you haven't been spending quality time quiet time with the lord and you need to resolve to make that happen this next year then you need to do that or maybe you needed to resolve because you've been You've been getting out of the church and you've not been participating in activities of the church, the mission of the church as you ought to have. And you need to repent of that and you need to get involved and you need to make that your commitment today. Resolve to do that. As every eye is bowed and or every eye is closed and every head is bowed, we're coming now to this time of invitation. And I want to invite you, dear friend, this altar is open. And right now, if you have 
a need to repent, then I invite you to come and and use this altar, if you will, and, and repent of those sins of omission and commission that you've allowed to come into your life. And make that commitment to prioritize Christ in 2020. Being dedicated to Him, working for Him, exalting Him and glorifying Him in your life. Or maybe you need to give your life to Christ and I want to invite you to come and give yourself to Him today. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, before we take the, the blood and or the, the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, Lord, we need to examine our own hearts. Certainly, Lord, Lord, we recognize that none of us are perfect. But, Lord, we know that there's sin that we have allowed in our lives. We need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of it. And, Lord, we just need to confess that to you today. Hand it over to you, Lord. You have given us power over sin. But, Lord, we just need to give that to you. And we need to trust in your power to get us out of that sin. So, Lord, I pray that we would do that today. Lord, if there's any today who do not know you, oh, Lord, let them not leave here today. Let them not leave here today until they've trusted in, in Christ and given themselves to them, to him, knowing his salvation, entering his life. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.